Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And of course, joining me as always is my co-host, James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire via USA Today. And Jay, we are still uh, kind of just, um, you know, reflecting on the 2021 NFL draft. I think there were definitely some surprises and, you know, there were obviously some surprises right out of the gate with pick number 25, which we talked about last week. But for today's episode, we are going to be doing a full breakdown of all nine selections that the Jacksonville Jaguars made in those this past weekend's draft. So, Jay, you know, how are you feeling? Of course, the uh, the new era is upon us, and it is a brand new day here in Jacksonville, Florida. And I'm excited to look ahead and also look back at this past weekend. Yeah, man, I'm excited to get this this episode going, man. Um, while you know the picks weren't necessarily what we were expecting at times, and uh, you know the draft was a little odd, you know, because again, like it wasn't Dave Caldwell, it wasn't Doug Marone, it was a little different. Nonetheless, like I still, you know, find myself excited about you know what's on the horizon. I mean, I guess it's hard to kind of be upset with a class where you got Trevor Lawrence, right? So. <laughs> So uh, that being said, yeah, man, like people will try, though. They'll definitely try for sure. For sure. You know that our fan base has the tendency to do that. And it's a lot of people, don't get me wrong, that's actually very satisfied and happy with what we did as well. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it. Appreciate everybody tuning in and rating, commenting, um, subscribing, reviewing uh, this, that and the other acts that you all continue to do that. And uh, yeah, man, ready to get it going. Yeah, so let's get into it here in just a moment. Don't want to waste any time. Uh, again, as Jay mentioned, if you are enjoying the show, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. That is one of the best ways to support the show. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the awesome Believe Podcast library. You can tweet the show or find it on Instagram at believe in jags pod you can find jay at sports grind underscore don and i am at phil the filipino f-i-l-i-p-i-n-o and of course before we get started we have to give a shout out to one of our og sponsors bet online bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action bet online is you cover for all the news scores and odds it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks. So let's get into it here. Jay, uh, of course, we did a episode last week on the first round. Of course, the number one overall selection being Trevor Lawrence, the number 25 pick being Travis Etienne. So if you guys do want to go back and listen to that episode, we go into a deep dive as far as to what we thought about those first two picks. But before we do that, Jane, move on to pick number 33. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add on after, you know, hearing, um, you know, Coach uh, Co- Coach Meyer, Trent Balky, uh, Travis, and Trevor speaking over the last weekend? Is there anything you want to add 
about those two picks before we look at the rest of the draft. Yeah, on Travis, um, I want to say this, you know, good thing that you did reference the last episode because when people go back and listen to it, for those who haven't, when they go back and listen to it, it sounds like right about what I was predicting for Travis. And remember, if you can recall feeling that podcast, I was saying I hadn't heard the transcripts yet. But my prediction was, you know, like they see him more than as a running back. And, uh, you know, when I heard that actual, you know, what they had to say in terms of the front office, Urban Meyer, Trent Baalke, uh, yeah, that's what they were looking for there is a, um, you know, a slash guy is how Urban Meyer put it. But even more so, uh, maybe along the lines of a name which you mentioned, Alvin Kamara, you know, more than just a running back. But I think uh, even, you know, a even closer comparison of what they might be looking for is, you know, along the lines of a Christian McCaffrey type of deal. So, uh, yeah, like that was the biggest takeaway I took from it as expected. You know, you don't take because, I mean, a lot of people have said this, especially I know Pete Prisco. Uh, this is something he's preached um, is, you know, you don't take a running back that high. Well, I don't know that they necessarily were taking a running back. They were taking a speed threat that could do a little bit of everything. So um, I think like that's a key takeaway with that when people are grading that one. I still wouldn't give it like necessarily a A, but still, nonetheless, I'm just trying to, you know, help people to kind of wrap their mind around that pick at 25 uh, a little bit better than they did, you know, when we recorded the first episode. So, I mean, that was really all I wanted to add on in terms of that. Uh, not really much to say about Trevor. He's the man, right? We uh, we hope he uh, does his thing in Jacksonville. And, uh, yeah, not much else to say about uh, the front office either. Yeah, and I did see some people, you know, having maybe some concerns about ETN and his, uh, you know, the wear and tear that maybe he's been through at Clemson. Of course, he was a workhorse over there with the with Clemson. And that's obviously not going to be the case here with James Robinson and Carlos Hyde. You know, I think I saw people talking about, you know, I think a really good spot for for ETN, especially early on, is, you know, somewhere between 12 and 15 touches. And those aren't necessarily carries, right? Who's who's to say that James Robinson is not still lining up in the background and you're putting ETN in the slot? You know, we're talking about a Percy Harvin type of guy, just an overall playmaker is what Travis Etienne is going to be. So I think I'm, I'm glad you said that they're not necessarily, they're not necessarily looking at this as we selected a running back in the first round. No, that's not necessarily what we did. We selected a playmaker who was capable of making big plays and how much have they stressed over this draft process, Jay, we want to find someone that's going to bring us big plays. There has been a severe lack of that here in Jacksonville. I do want to talk about Trevor, of course, even though there's not too much to add, but just the images of him flying in and coming up to the stadium and, and seeing those kids there greeting him. And I don't know, man, it just, some of the pictures that were coming out and the videos and all that kind of stuff, it felt presidential, right? <laughs> like I think he understands, he understands the gravity of the situation that he's in. I love the shot. I think it was a shot that Logan got of him on the plane, looking out of the plane and over the stadium. I don't know if you saw that picture, you know, and him having this understanding, like, man, I have a chance and an opportunity here to build something huge and I, I think that's really cool that he understands the gravity and the importance of him being here yeah and not only that but him you know it wasn't necessarily uh I don't think it was on the Jaguar site but it was he did so many interviews you lose track of man that's crazy for us like uh it might have right. been in uh NFL network or somebody but he was saying like you know hey this is yeah while it is a big city you know and I'm just paraphrasing him here 
Uh, and also, this is what kind of the interviewer was alluding to. While, you know, Jacksonville is a big city by the standards of Cartersville, Georgia, uh, he still felt at home in the sense that it's a smaller market in the NFL world, right? So, you know, he, he was, you know, just how I gathered it, he didn't feel overwhelmed by Jacksonville, you know, and maybe, you know, we don't know this to be true, but maybe that would have been the case with New York. But then again, I don't know. The dude's dealt with pressure pretty much on every step of his like career since high school. So like he probably would have been all right there too, you know. So like I don't want to say that, but um it, it does feel like he felt like Jacksonville was home. You know, he spe- he's he spoke highly of the fans in the city and you know what they you know the the whole thing with the wedding gifts and and whatnot. And you know, like you said, man, it did feel feel like presidential because you know you got shot Khan, the richest guy in the city meeting you at your escalade or whatever the case may be the valet service or whatever the case may be but um he meets you as soon as you step out of the escalade you got the kids um i forgot what elementary school it was but you got the kids standing out there with the signs and whatnot and uh trevor even made notice of this uh he, he talked about this in the interview uh they they were asking him like so uh you gonna pay for lunch for us or whatever the case may be <laughs> so that was kind of dope to see and uh yeah man like you know that's just a glimpse of what's to come, especially if he is who we think he is on the field. Uh, you know, he could be again, like I've said in the Believe podcast, um, with our man with with Joe. You know, he could be a Peyton Manning like figure for this city. And I was talking about this with Vez earlier today, two shout outs to Stodge, but he could be a Peyton Manning like figure uh, that not only gets the Jags winning on the field. Uh, but, you know, that brings all of this, uh, you know, all this positivity to the city as Peyton Manning did, you know, uh, bring more business to the city, boost the economy, so on and so forth. It's so much riding on this young man's shoulders. And it's crazy about the crazy thing about it is despite him being, you know, his age, uh, he's proven that he can handle it every time this has been brought to him or whatever the case may be. And not to and I don't want to compare them too much obviously but you know when I, I compare it to i just have to look at blake bortles and remember just how interesting jay over the weekend uh, me kira our friends kira and, and sam we went to uh, we went down to the uh, to jack's beach to have to have dinner and we just were reminiscing on the times where you know people would go out to jack's beach and see blake bortles like at a bar you know just hanging out and doing that. And you know what? He's a young guy. He was single, I believe, at the time. You know, do do what you want. Live your life. But it's just, just a stark, you know, difference in how those two handled themselves. Like, Tre- Trevor Lawrence is coming in. He's, already, you know, he's married. He was obviously been anointed since he was in middle school. He has been in this role. And, again, understands the gravity of the situation. Blake Bortles, of course. And, and he was taken early. I remember, he was a top five draft pick. But just the way that they have handled and presented themselves has been just totally different. I can't think of another city, another NFL city in which a quarterback could go out on a Tuesday night and just go drink at a bar. And that would be just, okay. Maybe green Bay, I guess. But I don't know that a lot of players really, you know, they don't really stay in green Bay. You know, I don't think in the off season or anything like that. So it was just a really weird situation and just a stark difference in contrast between the two players. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to make this a Blake Bortles thing, but I, I you, you got to look back and, and see like, Man, what a huge difference from where we were back then and where we are now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is interesting to see the difference. Um, and that's not to say that Blake Bortles couldn't have been the guy 
uh, living the life he, he did live. It, it didn't come down to that. Of course, it came down to his physical ability. Uh, so here you have this guy that's different from him, uh, a little bit off the field, but has, you know, an uh, ungodly amount of potential uh, that can actually translate on the field. So, yeah, they are two different guys. And it, it's interesting. It will be interesting to see how things go in terms of, you know, comparing the two in their careers. Because the thing about it, and I think this is what you would, were alluding to, is people wanted Blake Bortles to be that guy. Um, Blake Bortles could have been that guy for the Jacksonville Jaguars, especially if he would have started winning. Now, initially upon his career, he wasn't as big of a figure as Trevor Lawrence, but he was still a big deal being from Oviedo, you know, like I can remember going to the training camp. I don't know if you were there with me or not. They had reporters that couldn't get in that were trying to watch the game or watch practices from the gate, you know, like, and of course the gate has tarps on it. So they're like trying to look under the tarps and get whatever film yeah, they yeah. could get. I was like, this is nuts. So if, if you thought that was crazy, and you thought the access to that first training camp was crazy. Just imagine Wait, what it's going to be. August. <laughs> Where, dude, man, like it's going to be even on a bigger scale. You're not going to just have. See, that that was a situation where people from Orlando was coming from training camp or coming to the Jazz training camp. This is going to be an even bigger deal. You're going to have people coming from uh, all over the nation. It's going to be a national thing to see this kid, Um, whether that be Clemson, uh, Atlanta, because he's from there. Orlando, Tampa, where whatever the case may be, like he's such a big figure that I think like when training camp starts, we're just going to see this just ridiculous, uh, this ridiculous amount of coverage and interest in the Jags. And it might be a little overwhelming for some. uh, But for me, like I'm excited about it. I'm not going to even front with you, man. I I can't wait for it. And, um, you know, the city deserves this spotlight. And I talked to Viz about this. They don't just deserve a winner. They deserve a winner and a spotlight as well because that could take, Absolutely. you know, the city of Jacksonville to new heights. Exactly. You know, we all, especially being in the media, you know, of course, the the fan base can be at odds and, you know, they get frustrated sometimes. And they they have had the right. We, we as fans have the right to be frustrated with the team. And like I said, they definitely deserve this because it is one of the best fan bases in the league. You and I will definitely go to bat for that but let's move on to the the rest of the draft here here we here we went and said we're not going to spend too much time and then we spent another 15 minutes on trevor lawrence but i mean we got trevor lawrence come on guys i'm sure you can you can understand our excited uh, our excitement here for the team but let's move into uh, round two pick 33 and this is one jay that we had kind of gotten an idea this is where they were going to go a little bit before the draft came of course they had that first pick in the second round and they go with tyson campbell out of Georgia. I'm definitely very interested to see what you have to say about it, not only as an analyst, but also as a fan of the Bulldogs. Of course, that is your team. So, you know, the Tyson Campbell pick is interesting. Of course, there were quite a few other uh, DBs on the board here at this time. And also Tyson Campbell, you know, the stats don't tell the whole story, but they tell a little bit of the story and his definitely don't necessarily pop off of the screen. So what do you see and what do you, what did you think of this pick but also, what do you think it maybe means for the other guy here that they took last year as far as C.J. Henderson? Because there's a lot of stuff swirling. There's a lot of rumors swirling about C.J. Henderson specifically. Yeah, Tyson Campbell is a, a interesting prospect as a Georgia fan in the sense that, uh, you know, I can remember when we got him, and I think by uh, rival standard, 
he was a five-star recruit. I can remember when we got him, you know, everybody at Georgia and Georgia fans just being kind of really excited to have this kid, really excited to see his abilities and what he brings to the table. And while he wasn't a bad player by any means, uh, he is a player that I was expecting to see more out of before he left Georgia. Uh, so, and, and that kind of goes into what the Jaguars selected him for. It's about the upside. We speak about upside on this podcast a lot with Joe Tryon. That's why I like Joe Tryon. It wasn't about necessarily what it was. Yeah, somewhat of what I saw on film. It was impressive, but it was about what I thought Joe Tryon can be. That's the reason Tyson Campbell is here is because of his upside and what the Jaguars think he can be. And that's a, that was a theme here is a lot of traits physical ability type of prospects uh, that, you know, the Jaguars are going to depend on their coaches to get the best out of. And that being said, like we we could tell, you know, you can kind of tell the Jaguars were going in this direction. But when Urban Meyer was picking this staff, he was picking a staff that can develop. So with Tyson, again, like, and this is something that all of the analysts have alluded to is, uh, you know, he doesn't locate the ball necessarily all the time like he should. Now, look, that's something that can be fixable, you know, in a lot of people's opinion, don't get me wrong. Uh, but still, like, it's concerning that, you know, that was a, a issue with a coach like Kirby Smart, who's a defensive mind, former safety himself, and one of the better defensive minds in football, if you will, or, or in the college ranks, if you will. So that's concerning. But the Jaguars obviously feel uh, that they can coach up Tyson and get him right. Now, in terms of what you were saying, and I know I'm getting a little long-winded here about C.J. Henderson, uh, you know, Urban Meyer spoke on him. It seems like Urban Meyer believes he's going to be at camp and so on and so forth. It seems like uh, they have a place for him as well. Um, and I said this even before, you know, all of the before they even got Tyson, though. But don't be surprised for the Jaguars to get a lot of DBs with great ability. Don't be surprised because that's just what the Baltimore Ravens do. They use several DBs that can play all over the field, and that's exactly what Tyson can do. He can play more than one spot. If people notice, we were doing these mock drafts with people like Elijah Molden and, and people like the safety from Oregon, Javon Holland, and the reason for that was because they could play multiple positions. That's what Tyson is. He's a guy that has the ability to play multiple positions and, you know, he can come in and he will definitely contribute to some degree, although he might not be a starter, but he'll contribute and he'll be a significant contributor, especially with the rotation that we've kind of seen the Baltimore Ravens use. And one of the comparisons as far as getting Tyson Campbell developed is Marlon Humphrey, right? And of course, Joe Cullen working with Marlon Humphrey. If you get Marlon Humphrey at the 33rd pick in the NFL draft, then that's certainly a win. And yeah, like you said, Jay, I think it's good now. I, I'm really interested to see how, what our mock drafts look like next year. Now understanding how Urban and Bulky are going to handle this draft, right? I think all of the mock drafts are going to be a little off because they're going to be all over the place because we don't know what they're going to prioritize. And we kind of got an idea of that right off the bat with Travis Etienne and then him talking about wanting Kadarius Tony, you know, and, and, uh, um, in that whole process. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this tenure goes when it comes to, you know, doing mock drafts. But anyway, but as far as Tyson goes here, Jay and CJ, you know, it, we're kind of seeing this play out. Well, so with Taven Bryan as well, where, you know, Taven Bryan, he is, uh, um, they declined his fifth year option, obviously. Now, do you see 
I don't know if this is, um, you know, maybe this is just me being conspiracy theorist or anything like. Do you see them just looking to part ways or separate themselves from any of these early prospects that just have not panned out? You know, obviously, Taven's going to be here for now. CJ is going to be here. We assume. Like, do you think that maybe they're just trying to distance themselves from these guys because they haven't necessarily panned out, whether it be lack of talent or injury in CJ's case? Yeah, well, you know, they in this league, it's always good to have options, you know, and that's what this is, is, you know, if CJ Henderson doesn't work out, we got an option. We got our own guy. We got Tyson Campbell, who we drafted. Now, look, that's not to say that, you know what I'm saying? Because CJ showed good things, especially in those first two games. They will definitely take what they could get out of C.J. Henderson. And if he becomes starter material, you better bet that Trent Baalke is going to be trying to resign him at the end of his contract. You know, because and, and that's the thing about this. People, as much as people dog Dave Caldwell, um, and, you know, me and you have shared our gripes with Dave Caldwell too, but uh, the thing about it is the fact of the matter is Urban Meyer is going to have to depend a lot on Dave Caldwell's draft picks to have the success he wants. And Trent Baalke is too. And people are going to have to wrap their minds around that. And then when the time comes, I mean, whether you want to or not, you're going to have to admit it. If Urban Meyer has success this year, you know what it's going to be because of? A lot of Dave Caldwell's picks. You know, it's going to be because because that's what the a majority of the makeup of this team is. Um, Now, yeah, they got, you know, some free agents that they got this year. And they got, you know, their draft picks and this, that, and the other. But I'm talking about the established players are going to be the people that are going to have to lead this team, the Miles Jacks of the world, uh, the Caleb Von Chasons of the world, the Josh Allens of the world, the Joe Schobers of the world. These are the players that are going to have to lead this team to success if they have it this year. And then, you know, from that standpoint, you know, part of this is going to be, uh, you know, Dave Caldwell's, uh, you know, roster if you will now the the bad part about it is and this is the knock that me and you have always put against him is that he's just never got the quarterback part right and that's the part of this team that is going to have to be from Trent Baalke and Urban Meyer that leads this team to success is the quarterback part Uh, but aside from that a lot of this is going to be Dave Caldwell's guys DJ Chark as well CJ Henderson so on and so forth Right. It will obviously be very interesting to see how it plays out. You know, they bring in uh, Shaquem Griffin. Of course, they got CJ, Sidney Jones. Where does he fit into all this? Trey Herndon. Uh, So, yeah, uh, you know, we will, uh, like you said, it doesn't hurt to have, uh, you know, a bunch of guys that can contribute in a lot of different places all over the field. Um, Let's move on here, Jay, to their next pick in the second round. Oh, did you have, go go ahead, Jay. Yeah, one last thing. It it doesn't necessarily, and I don't think it was necessary to get a cornerback that high and it doesn't necessarily uh, make this the case but look man I've said this in the past too that cornerback core was hurt a lot last year so from that perspective you got to ask yourself was it necessarily wrong to get Tyson uh because they lost as you said CJ was out for the season Sidney Jones has never been able to stay healthy throughout the total uh the totality of his career so you could argue that it's not necessarily the wrong uh, option to go with him but it wasn't necessarily also on the flip side it wasn't the best option to some people's uh you know to in some people's mind at least right, right absolutely absolutely, absolutely. Well, well let's get, get into, into the, the next, next pick, pick here at uh, pick 45 here, here in the second, second round and jay you know, you know gotta, gotta give give, uh, give you props, props between, between both, both of our mock drafts, drafts outside, outside of, of course trevor lawrence, lawrence. 
this was, was the, the only, only player taken between between, <laughs> between the, the two, two of our mock drafts. Now, you had him going in round three, pick 65, but he ends up going here round two. Pick 45, and of course, that's a guy we've been talking about a lot. The offensive lineman out of Stafford, uh, Stanford, uh, Walker Little. Of course, he has uh, he has not played, I believe, since 2019. Um, also opted out uh, the 2020 season. So you know he's been away from football as far as injuries and and, and opting out. Uh, he only played, I think, in one game. He got injured in the season opener back in 2019. So what did you think about them going with, with Walker in the second round? This kind of falls in line with, as I mentioned, you know, seeing some of the mocks leading into the draft as we got closer and closer, seeing him at the end of the first round, early to mid-second round, and that's eventually where he goes. What do you feel about, or how do you feel about the Walker Little pick? And what do you think this means for the offensive line in terms of Cam Robinson, as well as, of course, Jawan Taylor on the right side? Yeah, one thing I want to add is I did get the Tyson Campbell pick right in my all UGA mock. I just never published it, remember? <laughs> there you go. No, it's too late now. Andy. It's not published. It doesn't count. Right, right. Dude, I'm, I probably my got... My draft was perfect. I just didn't post that one. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I probably got it somewhere in my screenshots, uh, all UGA mock, where it's him and uh, Eric Stokes in the second round, uh, both of the UGA corners there. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it don't count, I guess. So yeah, in terms of uh, Walker Little, yeah. So our mindset and, you know, my mindset was a little bit right on what they would do there. I was just a little bit off in the projection, which we expected. We said this, you know, I said this in the TC3 podcast. It's left to, it's left up, it's left up to us as journalists and analysts to project in our own mind where these guys would go because the scouts aren't there to help us get it exactly right. So I was a little, you know, about a half a round off. But, you know, Walker Little was one of those one the guys with, you know, he had sporadic draft stock because of what you said. You know, he hasn't played since 2019. But, I, you know, to a degree, I was right in the sense that I was saying, like, there's no way on God's green earth you could take a chance on that guy in the first round. You know, with that limited body of work, I think like I saw it on PFF, it was like 680 total snaps he's taken or something like that. So like that, that's just too small of a body of work for somebody to say, oh, yeah, I'll gamble on that in the first round. And I mean, you can argue that that's the case for the Jazz where they took him at 45. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I understand it. And me and you were saying too this. When you're one in fifteen, at some point the Jaguars are going to have to start taking risks in this draft and in in drafts in the future. And you know when you're that bad, that's just what it is. Dave Caldwell had to do it with Miles Jack. You know, um, Dave Caldwell had to do it with Aaron Colvin, who was coming off a of ACL tear when they drafted him. So, you know, you just have to take these kind these kind of gambles. Uh, if you Trent Baalke and, and Urban Meyer, and they took another one, which is in the next round, we'll speak on that. Uh, in a few but that being said in terms of what it means for the offensive line I mean I would have to think that Cam Robinson is still gonna be and I would hope that he's gonna be the starter for the whole season and I've actually talked about this with you know some some people who've reached out to me um, you know Walker Little is so far removed from being on the field in terms of a full season or whatever the case may be like you said 2019 you would hope that he doesn't come in and beat Cam Robinson out of the gate because that is that's scary if he does. You know, that's a bad thing. If he come if he hasn't played since 2019 and he come and beat uh Cam Robinson, 
for a spot to start on the final uh, and you know for uh, week one of the regular season, that should be alarming and that should sound off alarms about what we had in Cam Robinson. Uh, but I don't think that's going to be the case. That's why I think Cam Robinson is going to hold him off. Now, look, I think this pick is more so a pick for depth purposes. Cam Robinson has been held of has been hurt in the past. Uh, so that means that it's a chance Walker Little will get on the field as a rookie at some point. And I also think it's more so a pick for the future as well. Uh, I don't think that they have Cam Robinson's just based off this pick. I don't think they have Cam Robinson in mind in their future past 2021. So this is, you know, Walker, since he's been so far removed away from football, this is Walker's year to learn. And then after that, they just let Cam go, uh, Cam Robinson go about his business and Walker Little replaces him. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. Unless, you know, Robinson has, has like this God tier type of season, which we have yet to see from him. So I think that's where they're at with that in terms of the offensive line. I was definitely excited about this pick, you know, not only because we had heavily invested in him and, and looked into him throughout the whole process, but I also was a little confused again because of how much, again, they're emphasizing, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, they're emphasizing guys that are going to come in and contribute right away. And Walker Little isn't necessarily that guy, again, unless he comes in and beats out Jawan Taylor, they want to put him on the right side. Just looking at his PFF uh, sheet here, Jay, he only played seven uh Seven snaps at right tackle back in 2018. Of course, the majority of his snaps have been at left tackle. Um, but look at this. I mean, this kind of speaks volumes here, Jay. I mean, he hasn't played. He's played 70 snaps uh, in the last couple of years. PFF still ranked him 26th on their big board, even with the limited amount of tape that is available for him in the last couple of years. And of course, that speaks volumes. And I think they definitely, like you said, they're they're looking ahead here. But also, I think they got great value as far as Walker Little. You know, I know some people maybe not may not be super high on him, but you know, I think if if he had been able, there's also a narrative out there. If he had been able to stay healthy throughout this entire process, throughout his collegiate career, he may have been an early, and we're talking top ten first round pick. Do you buy into that? Yeah, early in his career, like he was like kind of one of those. Just how I gather it, one of those guys. Like you know how I said Trevor Lawrence. As uh, soon as he stepped out of middle school. You could just look at the kid and be like, yeah, he'll probably be a first round pick in the NFL. And we're not, this he is had before. 30 offers coming out of high school. Right. This is before he even took a snap in high school that we're talking about, Trevor Lawrence here. You could just look at him then and say, yeah, he has the making of a first round pick, maybe even a first overall pick. It was kind of like that with Walker Little in high school, from how I gather it. You know, um, if I can recall, high five star recruit. Uh, a guy that looked like the man when he was a freshman. I think he won like some type of freshman all honors. So as a freshman, you know, like if you could just take that body of work that he had then and let him enter the draft, then yeah, he probably could have been a, a high first round pick from that small body of work. But the problem is you can't leave school that early. You know what I'm saying? It's not, you know, it's not the NBA, but uh, that being said, man, like I like to pick, I mean, I, I think it's good that, you have a GM, and I'm not trying to praise Balky here because we got to see how this is going to work out with him. But I think it's good that you have a GM that looks into the future as opposed to looking to the short term because that's what gets some GMs in trouble sometimes. Sometimes they go for the short-term fix and what will get them wins in the, the, the ensuing year as opposed to looking at the future. This is a pick you can look at while it doesn't help them immediately. This shows that they care about Trevor Lawrence's health and keeping him upright in the future. 
and people should be happy about that aspect of it, although he might not see the field immediately. Exactly. Supporting your fran- your brand new franchise quarterback. You know, we're all learning, of course. I mean, even though this should have already been well known, but it seems like we're all trying to learn, of course, from the Joe Burrow situation up there in Cincinnati. But definitely was excited about this. Uh, this big. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, not only that, we're and this came up during the draft. We're really going to be learning lessons from the Green Bay Packers. And Aaron Rodgers not being yeah. and which which in my opinion now, I think they've done a lot to help him, in my opinion. I'll say that. But I'm just saying, like, it's been other situations like that kind of and, you know, the um, the Houston Texans and so on and so forth. Where we're basically what I'm saying is like we're seeing these situations where the quarterbacks are saying like they want to see where the team is really trying to protect them and keep them upright and have their best interests and for Trevor Lawrence right off the gate or right out of the gate, he's getting that uh, the pick or a pick, two picks or no, actually three picks after he was drafted. He's getting some security on his blind side, you know, from a guy that was a pretty good tackle at Stanford. So I think that speaks volumes to Trevor Lawrence, too. You know, he's probably this is little things he's taking notes of, too, as well. Yeah, I think it was Marcus Spears on ESPN when talking about Aaron Rodgers when it stated, you know, both things can be right and when one in which Aaron Rodgers may be he's he's being maybe a little dramatic and also that the front office hasn't done everything that they need to do both of those things can be true they don't necessarily one need to be one needs to be more true over the other you know Aaron Rodgers of course needs to take some accountability here as well because even though the Packers you know haven't drafted an offensive player <laughs> what the last 10 at the first round of the last nine of the last 10 drafts other than of course drafting Jordan Love last year they've still been in positions to get to the Super Bowl so I mean it's kind of like a it's a weird balancing act I don't want to get into it because that could be a whole nother thing I'm with wanna, you yeah I'm with yeah, you so I mean I like look dude like at the same time some of us are looking at it like can you complain Aaron because you were just a step away from the Super Bowl so have they Just really one MVP, right? Like, so have they really put you in a predicament where you can't succeed? You were one game away from the Super Bowl. So, you know, like you said, it's, it's two sides to it, man. And um, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. 100%. Well, just looking at the draft network and as far as the comparison, this is the last thing we'll say about Walker, Little, uh, Walker, little prospect comparison, Andrew Whitworth. That guy's been playing for 40 years, I think, <laughs> both of, <laughs> for like both of our lifetimes here, Jason. Walker Little ends up being Andrew Whitworth. I think that we uh, we made out pretty well. Let's move into rounds uh, into the third round here. Uh, but really quick, we want to give a quick shout out to our second sponsor of this episode, and that is Kanan. You know, guys, I'm just really, really tired about losing these five ten dollar sunglasses I get at like you know, the wall at Walmart or the mall or whatever. I want to get something that really, really stands out and that I actually care about, which is why it was time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canaan. Canaan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KananCast15 at Kanan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Kanan, clearly better. All right, Jay. So round three, pick 65. And we got to give a shout out to our guy, Joe DeLeon. It seems like he manifested this pick for us here, Jay. Andre Cisco, safety out of Syracuse. Of course, we had 
throwing around, throwing around a lot of names at safety during this draft process. Trayvon Merrick, uh, Javon Holland, guys like that. Um, and we ended up with Cisco. Of course, he has a little bit of an injury history here. Uh, and I know a lot of people were kind of commenting on that as far as Trent Balky's, you know, and his track record with, with that over in San Francisco. But they go with the safety here with the first pick in round three. And what do you think about the uh, the selection of Andre Cisco here, our, our guy, our Joe, Joe DeLeon's guy here? Yeah, like he's admittedly one of the guys I had to like, do um, some more research on and he was one of the guys I didn't get to look at thoroughly during the you know pre-draft con uh, the the pre-draft process Uh, but that being said like what film I did see on him I forgot what tape it was but I mean like again like it it just continues that uh, that whole trend of getting guys with traits and great athletic ability you know like it just continues that trend Walker Little Tyson Campbell, like it's kind of if you look at those two picks, it's kind of not a surprise, you know, not just because Walker Little and the ACL thing, but just their athletic abilities, Um, both of whom, you know, they tested well athletically. And Cisco is a guy that has that ability as well. So, I mean, like he's a guy that I believe uh, from what I've gathered, at least and what I've seen, he has the ability to come in and start right away. Um, hopefully, you know, I, I don't know where his timeline with the ACL is, but I know there's a few videos of him out there working out on his uh, ACL and it, he looks fine to me and he looks like he'll be ready for training camp. Uh, but look, this is, again, one of those. I don't want to get in the habit of taking guys with ACL tears, but him and Walker Little uh, are two guys that I'm definitely fine with getting. You know, I, I can live with that because, again, like you taking care of Trevor Lawrence in the future. And in this case with Andre Cisco you're getting a guy that I believe that could probably start immediately, you know, if everything's right with his knee and he can step on uh, the field day one at training camp. But me and you have discussed this. Uh, The thing with Gerard Wilson is not that he's necessarily a bad player, but when, um, and this is the way I put it to my cousin, Brand, shout out to him. Um, At safety, you can't have two safeties. And this is what has been the Jags issue over the last two the few years or so since they lost Gibson and since they lost Barry church, you can't have two safeties uh, and both of those guys not be playmakers. One of the two has to be a playmaker. One of the two, you can't have just two mediocre guys. And that's what the Jaguars have had, or they've had a mediocre guy in, in Wilson who hasn't made a lot of plays and a very bad player alongside him, like Dewey Wingard or, or um, Josh Jones or whatever the case may be. Uh, so since we lost Tayshon and Church, it's been a real, real rough patch there. And now, you know, we have a guy in Cisco who's a ball hawk who can get you those interceptions. His production was crazy in terms of interceptions. And I'm not comparing him to Ed Reed, but his interception rate was Ed Reed like in college, you know, is what I'm saying. So nobody take that and run with it and say I'm comparing him to the great Ed Reed. I mean, okay. 12, intercept, 12 interceptions is a true freshman and a sophomore before he got the injury. Absurd. And to put that in perspective of how hard that is to do, uh, to to play with that much feel in front of you and still be able to get 12 interceptions is ridiculous to me. You know, because safeties play with a lot of open field in front of them. Um, So th- I'm just saying, like, that's, that's crazy production that – I can understand why Trent Balky would look at him and be like, yeah, let's take a risk on this guy. Um, so, yeah, he's a guy I think he starts day one with um, Rayshon Jenkins, who we signed in free agency. And, of course, he's going to start because 
he's getting paid a lot of money. Uh, and I like that tandem. You know, you got your ball hawk and you got your guy that can play closer to the line of scrimmage, both of which are upgrades over what we've seen the last two years. This is definitely one of the picks that I was very excited about. Jam, just looking again at his uh, PFF card here um, over on their website, he had an offer from Northwestern. Could you imagine if this guy had gone to Northwestern and joined that defense over there that they got going on, man, that would have been absolutely insane. Yeah. Like I said, um, I definitely think this is, this is one where he, this is a guy that has the ability to start right away. Um, the bottom line here for PFF, uh, if he gets, a, if a really good coach gets in Cisco's ear, he could be among the elite safeties in the league. That's the type of tools he possesses. And we picked him at the round three pick 65. They got him ranked as their 59th overall prospect on their big board so a guy that definitely has a lot to, a lot going for him and a lot to look forward to and as long as he can stay healthy and as you mentioned you know he actually tweeted out over on the um, the podcast uh twitter just a couple of weeks ago a, a video of him working out and this was before we even drafted him so you know what maybe we had something to do with that as well as and along with along with joe so let's move into the next pick here <clears throat> Another position that we had mocked to the Jaguars throughout this entire process, Jay, was interior linemen. We've talked about this class being, you know, a little bit on the lighter side in terms of the prospects that were available. And they go with one here, round four, pick 106, Jay Tufele from USC, a prospect that I admittedly, Jay, not too familiar with uh, um, as far as throughout this entire process. But what did you think about this selection and them addressing the interior line here in the fourth round? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, we're not surprised that they took an interior lineman. I don't think any of us were projecting Jay Tufele, and that's not a knock on him, uh, by the way. But, uh, yeah, he was a guy that a lot of people, all of the big-time pundits, the male Kuypers of the world, uh, you know, they will argue with you and say he was supposed to be gone before then. So they got good value, and that's the the, the V word that we hear Trent Baalke use all the time. Um, but they got good value there. Urban Meyer even said they were kind of surprised that he was on the board. Uh, now, in terms of him as a prospect, uh, to me, like what I see on film from him is a a very violent player, you know, um, a, a player that uh, packs a punch on offensive linemen. He's always in the backfield pretty often. Uh, which is, you know, that's a good thing to see because you, you got a guy that can penetrate there. Admittedly, he, I think he, you know, like I'm interested to see like where they value him in terms of, uh, you know, when they use their 34 concepts because, you know, I, I think he feels like a three technique in a even man front, in a four man front. Uh, but there are some pundits out there that believes he can play nose tackle as well. Mel Kuyper is one of them. So, um, you know, maybe we're looking at a nose tackle that could play three technique as well. But yeah, that's my biggest thing with with him is I just want to kind of know like what the you know what the staff feels about him and how they will play him um, in this defense. Uh, but yeah, he's an exciting player. I like him, and he's a he seems like a real good kid. And not only that, he seems like he's going to be a real good young man for the community. You know, like he's a guy that um spoke highly of his family. Um, was very gracious to the Jaguars organization for, you know, them drafting him. He, and he was naming people by name, you know, Shad Khan, Trent Baalke, um, you know, he, Urban Meyer. Of course, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer knew him, you know. <laughs> he was one of the guys that tried to recruit him. So, yeah, he's he, this is a guy that's going to give us his all, it seems like, and he, he really wants to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. And from that standpoint, man, you can't help but root for him. He's a guy I can see being a fan, fra- a fan favorite, 
Um, and he has a lot of, from that perspective, a lot of Tyson Alualu in him in terms of who he is as a person. Yep, and again, the draft card here from PFF. Tefele has the skills to excel in a penetrating 4-3 defense or any scheme that will let him attack off the snap. They're going to be rotating these guys in and out, Jay. I'm not sure if you, you have your roster prediction, your early roster prediction. That is not out yet, is it? Yeah, I got like two more positions to finish up there. So, yeah, so, you know, we were talking about that over the last week. Of course, they're going to be rotating a lot of guys in and out of there uh, to get production. And um, a Tufela, again, a, a guy, like you said, he said he has said all the right things. He has, you know, um, made it very clear. He's he's very excited about the opportunity and, and, and playing here in Jacksonville. So, you know, that's, that's definitely solid. He is ranked the 136th um, player on PFFs big board with a player comparison, NFL comparison to Tristan Hill. Uh, let's move into the next selection here, Jay. And this is actually a, a player they went up to go get here in the fourth round. And we assumed that it was going to be the tight end and it was not, we had to wait a little bit longer for that. And we have, um, I mean, I'm, I'll let you, is, is this an edge rusher? Is he a linebacker? Maybe a little bit of both in the fourth round pick 121. They go with Jordan Smith from UAB. Um, some of you may remember Jordan Smith. He started his career at UF, but he was dismissed from the program uh, due to some uh, issues that were going on there. Um, big dude, six seven two sixty four, And, you know, again, another prospect that Jay, I wasn't too familiar with, but what did you think about them going up to get Jordan Smith? And, um, you know, what do you think he's going to be able to contribute as far as, again, on this defensive line, specifically on the edge? Yeah, him and like all of the last day picks, I and you, me and you discussed this. I didn't really get a chance to like watch it as they were taking him or look at the pressers or whatever the case may be, because, um, you know, we were attending my godmother's uh, services. Uh, rest in peace, Miss Hightower. Um, she was a real kind lady. But um, I just wanted to shout her out and uh do that for um, my god sisters as well. Um, very, very nice family. Uh, they've been friends of the family for a long time. But yeah, so like I don't necessarily know how the Jaguars uh, view him aside from I did. I do remember now that I'm thinking about it. I did go back and look at one of Myers pressers and they do. You know, one word that came up with him was that he's very raw. Urban Meyer said that multiple times. So it seems like this is a guy that they see as a definitely a developmental guy. And some people had him ranked now that, yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Some people had him rank, you know, lower than a fourth round pick, maybe fifth, sixth roundish type of guy. But the Jaguars felt like, you know, like if they missed out on him, they were going to be in a world of trouble at edge rusher. Um, So they wanted to move up and get him. A guy with, like I said, a lot of physical ability, and he's again, he's raw. So this is a guy that Urban Meyer essentially wants to, because if I can recall, he played a lot from two point stance, so he's a, a rush outside linebacker. But this is a guy. It sounds like Urban Meyer wants to learn from Josh Allen and Caleb on Chase Son, if I had to guess. Which I mean, and those are two good young. I mean, albeit they don't have you know that big body of work like Von Miller or somebody, but those are two young men, good young men to learn from. And the reason for that is because they are, you know, they're hard workers. They don't mind helping people. Uh, they are two guys who are trying to learn the game themselves. So why not learn it with other people that's in the same situation as you? Like sometimes that makes the best situation. So he has those two to learn from who are very, you know, guys that seem to be trying to get the technical aspect of football down. 
Um, he can learn that part of the game with them. And then they also have um, who, you know, he'll play in the trenches too, mostly. Or, you know, he'll probably just shift from back to forth. But they also have Jihad Ward, who's become a fan favorite, by the way, just <laughs> off of his social media activity. Social media champion, dude. Yes, man. Dude, great. man, I'm so glad we got that dude, man. He He's given us so many laughs on social media. And the, just the, the mindset he brings. But Jihad Ward is another guy that can help this young man as well. Um, again, although he'll be rotating between, you know, rush linebacker and uh, playing in the interior as a lineman. Yeah, I mean, just looking at his grades the last couple of years over on PFF for 2020, 85.8, and then for 2019, a 92. So, you know, a, a guy uh, looking here again at the PFF card, Smith has the frame, but if he doesn't add a power aspect to his game, it will be hard to, for him to see the field in the NFL. But again, like you're kind of talking about here, he's not a guy that we're going to need to play three downs. You know, you know, he we can rotate this guy in and out. So um, they obviously saw something that they liked enough to go up there and get him. Like you said, they they maybe thought they would be a little bit um, they would be in trouble if they didn't address this position here at this specific spot. And um, we ended up with with Jordan Smith here in the fourth round. I'm looking here at the next pick, Jay. It finally happens. Pick five. I'm sorry. Round five, pick 145. The tight end comes off the board for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not necessarily the one that we expected. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, Brevin Jordan is still on the board at this point because I think he won a few picks after Luke Farrell. I, I correct me again if I'm wrong, but they get the tight end out of Ohio state. And again, not the guy necessarily that we were thinking. Um, they, uh, um, and he's not one that's necessarily regarded as a pass catching tight end, 34 catches, 380 yards and four touchdowns in 44 career games. Of course he did play under urban for a couple of years regarded as a, a more of a blocking tight end. So, you know, what kind of, we're going to talk about <laughs> another supposed tight end here in just a moment, but you know, what do you think about this selection here um, for the Jags when they finally take a tight end in the fifth round? Yeah, so Brevin went, by the way, I looked it up for you. He went uh, 147th in the fifth round. Uh, so, yeah, that came after Luke Fickle there. Um, I forgot the exact number that the Jags had in the fifth round. I know it was the first pick in the fifth round, though. I know that. Yeah, uh, 145. Luke Farrell, 145. And then Brevin Jordan won two picks later, yeah. Right, right. So, I mean, Farrell was actually – I didn't mock him in any of our drafts, but Farrell was actually one of the guys on my radar because of the Urban Meyer connection, believe it or not. I mean, if you look back on my um, – I forgot. It's about 12 or 11 players that I did that are from uh, Ohio State that I put that were draft eligible that Urban Meyer can get. He's on that list on Jazz Wire. Feel free to check that out. Uh, but Farrell was a guy like I would constantly find myself putting him uh, or slotting him to the Jazz. And me personally, this is going back to, you know, our projections and our rankings as opposed to the actual scouts. But I would constantly project him to go to the Jags right in the last round in the seventh. And it was times where I wrote him down on paper as a seventh round pick for the Jags, but I never committed to it because I always found a better option, you know, like a, you know, like everybody's seen our mocks, like, you know, like Trey McKitty or, um, you know, like Austin, um, I forget his name from, uh, or third round, by the way, <laughs> Trey McKitty. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So like, maybe we're on to something. We, you know, we knew Trey was going to be well regarded. We were just a little off with that too, but, uh, yeah. So yeah, Farrell was a guy I, I had wrote down on paper, but never committed to it, to putting him 
or mocking him to the Jaguars, whatever the case may be. So, like, he's a guy, again, like, it, the body of work obviously isn't there as a pass catcher. Uh, but I think what it says is that, you know, the Jaguars, and they've kind of hinted at this and alluded to it, but the Jacksonville Jaguars might be a run-heavy team. And, I mean, look, now, like you said, like, they're looking at other options, one of which we're going to mention that uh, that's puzzling, you know, to say the least. Uh, but they're looking at options in terms of, um, you know, maybe they're probably looking at some trades. You know, Zach Ertz might get cut before that June 1st or 2nd deadline or whatever the case may be. He'll be out there. I'm, I mean, I'm not the biggest on him, but he's clearly better than what we have. Uh, people have said trades like, you know, Njoku and uh, Evan Ingram from uh, the Giants. People are throwing that out there. So I think they're definitely not done there. But what it's saying right now, that the tight ends that they have, if they go into the season with these guys, what it's saying is that the Jaguars are going to put heavy emphasis on run blocking and protection probably for Trevor Lawrence. All right, Jay. Well, you knew it was going to come to this. We made it this long without talking about it, about the the elephant in the room. That, and uh, we're talking about Tim uh, Tebow is what he has been referred to over on Jacksonville social media. And of course, the report coming out, I believe it was, you know, coming into the draft that Tim Tebow had had worked out for the team and had asked to, you know, play tight end. You know, now he wants to play tight end all these years later. Now he's willing to adjust and adapt. And, and you know, he is Urban Meyer's new neighbor and all this kind of stuff, you know, heading in uh, to draft weekend, all this talk about bringing in Tim Tebow. And look, I've, I don't know. Tim Tebow personally, all I can tell you as someone who's lived in North Florida for about half of his life, someone who is not a Gator fan, admittedly never been a Gator fan, and someone who was always pretty annoyed with the whole Tebow thing. This, I know, <laughs> there's not much. This is absolutely ridiculous. I, I think some came out today where Urban said, you know, if this, if we feel like Tim can come in and help us win games, then maybe we'll look into it. We're not at that point here yet. So, I mean, what do you think about this whole Tebow thing? He has been tied, of course, to the Jacksonville Jaguars dating back to, you know, his draft class all those years ago. And then when he left the Jets, you know, are they going to bring him in here? You know, obviously you have your thoughts as far as him being, you know, him with uh, being a Florida Gator and you being a Georgia Bulldog fan. So what do you think about all this nonsense about Tebow coming in to play tight end for Jacksonville and catch passes from Trevor Lawrence? Shockingly. Right now, at least, like, and you never know, I might wake up disappointed in the Jags' <laughs> interest in him uh, on another day. But shockingly, right now, it's not really bothering me, and it's not, like, really a non-factor. And I think it's because, like, I just don't think he is going to – I think he he's not going to be more than a camp body. And he's not going to make the yeah. final 53. And I think, well, a lot of people's mindset, like, towards that – and where they differ from me is that is that like why use a camp spot on him and why not give it to somebody else uh, in terms of, you know, somebody who's actually played tight end, you know, like which that does make sense. And, you know, like it's it's interesting in a sense, like they're out here trying to work out a 33 year old guy that's never played the position. And if they give him a contract right for me, I think the interesting part for me is like I'm going to want to see. And we're going to trust me, we're going to be looking because it's our job. But I'm, I'm going to want to see why Tim Tebow got a contract over somebody who's actually played tight end 
uh, or, uh, you know, exactly. why he was brought in for training camp. You know, like it better be some validity. Or baseball it. for that matter. And I, now, yeah, now it's starting to come together for me. That's why I'm not mad, because I think I won't get mad until I see what he can do on the field. Like I got to see, like, was he deserving of the spot? And you don't want to say he wasn't deserving because he's a guy that like he works out and take care of his body and all of that. But I'm just saying, like, it's other guys out there who are younger and there's other guys out there who have actually played tight end that might be deserving more so of that spot than him. So I guess, like, for me, like, it's just a time will tell type of thing. Like, if he gets signed, I want to see what he looks like. Uh, because if he doesn't look like a tight end or remotely close to a tight end or he he's just struggling out there and this looks like a favor from Urban Meyer, then I'll probably have an issue with it, you know, like because – it's plenty of young men out there, undrafted guys that, you know, maybe should have been drafted, whatever the case may be, that should have got that shot at that position. Um, and, and as opposed to, you know, giving it to, you know, your neighbor, which I, I don't I hope it's not that with Urban Meyer as the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I hope it's legit that Tim Tebow legit has shown that he can maybe be an NFL tight end. Let's hope that's what it is, because we should have concerns if it isn't. And I think one more thing I want to add on to this is. Um, I don't know how much Shot Khan's hand is in this and Tony Khan's hand is in is in this, but I think it's possible that their hands could be in this to a decent degree. I don't want to say a large degree, but a decent degree, because we've seen this stuff in the past. They always go for nostalgic type of, you know, people that can relate to the fan base that's going to bring more butts in the seats. We saw it with Tom Coughlin. While, yeah, it was partly because Tom Coughlin was a proven winner and won Super Bowls that they wanted him here. It was also, for me, at least this is my personal opinion, it was also because fans knew Tom Coughlin and they were going to flock to the seats if they knew he was the guy. We see the same thing with Urban Meyer, right? He got somebody that fans can relate to. People know Urban Meyer from Florida. They're going to come to the games because Urban Meyer is here, not just because he's a winner, but because they know who he is. I see this as the same type of uh, 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 a deal with Tim Tebow. It's somebody that people familiarize themselves and like it might not necessarily sell like this gargantuan amount of tickets, but, you know, you might could get some pre uh, some preseason tickets sold off of it. You might could get some people on the bandwagon in terms of getting season tickets because they're thinking that he's going to be on the main roster or the 53 man roster when he's not. So, like, maybe they're looking at it from a financial standpoint. But, you know, that's just me spitballing. I don't know if that's like really the thing or whatever the case may be. I mean, if you're going to bring in a 30 plus year old tight end, I'd, I'd much rather prefer them bring back Tyler Eifert, who's 31. If we're, if we're being completely honest at the right, if we're going to bring in a guy at the right price, I want to throw a name out here for you, Jay, because they just declined his fifth year option. And that's Hayden Hurst from the Falcons. Do you think he could possibly be on the move again? And, you know, after them taking Kyle Pitts, of course, with the fourth pick. Now, again, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they go with a two tight end set. Maybe they move Julio Jones. And they, of course they move on to focusing on Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst. You know, he's been pretty productive up there in Atlanta. Now that he got an opportunity outside of Baltimore, you know, local kid, do you think maybe that's a guy and also, a, you know, a, a mental health warrior. I love personally love Hayden Hurst and what he's done, you know, for people, as far as, um, you know, battling with mental health issues, you know, is that maybe a guy that we should have an eye on? Yeah, possibly, possibly. We'll have to see where that goes. Um, I'm more of a fan and I, I mean, I'm not, this is not to say like I'm a hating Hurst hater or anything. Like I, I actually wouldn't have minded, you know, if he, you know, if he was going to be what we thought he was going to be, I wouldn't have minded them taking him when he was, you know, projected to 
be a first round pick for him, you know. Um, but yeah, like I'm more of a fan of maybe getting David and Joku, you know, like that's the best option to me. I mean, you're gonna have to trade assets for him. Um, but I mean he's young. He's a guy that has a load of potential as a pass catcher, in my opinion. Um, Evan Ingram might be after that, but my my concern with Evan Ingram, he's athletic and everything, but the hands just scare me with Evan Ingram. So Right. It, if the price is right, maybe. But I'm more so of an Inchoku guy. I mean, and look, and with Hurst, I mean, if, you know, the Falcons are saying, like, hey, seventh round pick or something like that, yeah, like, go for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, six round pick, something like that, yeah, why not? You know, I mean, at this point, like, you need you need somebody who's going to be a pass catching threat at that position. And uh, it's a very, very high probability that that is not Tim Tebow. Well, there you guys, there, there you have it, you guys. We talked about it, all right? Let's move on to the, the last pick here that the Jaguars had in round six, pick 209, and they uh, they go with a wide receiver. We had anticipated they would address wide receiver or take a wide receiver in this draft, I should say. So Jalen Camp out of Georgia Tech, six foot two, 220, uh, had a really, really great performance at Georgia Tech's Pro Day. And uh, this is where they go here in the sixth round. So, Jay, uh, what do you think about uh, Jalen Camp here? Um, probably going to be uh, a special teams guy. Um, I'm not sure in terms of, uh, oh, he ran a 4-4-3-40. Um, so, um, you know, you, again, Jalen or Urban and them talking about adding speed. So is this a guy that you anticipate to uh, to actually, you know, be that sixth receiver, but also more so find himself a role, like you said, on on special teams? Yeah, admittedly, um, I, I don't know a lot about camp. And Georgia Tech fans, don't take no offense to this. It's not because he went to Georgia Tech and I ain't want to make my eyes bleed. It's not. <laughs> I'm not going to go there uh, as a Georgia fan. Uh, but it's just like I just didn't watch a lot of Georgia Tech just in general. Um, but he's a guy, I mean, clearly, again, just it was the trend. Height, weight, speed, specimen, you know. Obviously, he got the speed you just said. It's 40-time numbers. Uh, you know, he's a guy at, what, 6'3"-ish, something like that. I think I saw over 220 pounds. So this guy can move. Like, that's – that's if you can custom make a guy in Madden and say that's an Urban Meyer guy, he would be Camp. That's what exactly <laughs> he'd be. Uh, but, see, the thing is with Camp is they're already deep at receiver. They already got, you know, a lot of guys that have a ton of experience over him. And Camp wasn't exactly super productive at Georgia Tech. Uh, in terms of receiving so like again this is about upside they see him as a raw prospect somebody they can mold so he more so to me is the guy that probably will be on practice squad if they can stash him on practice squad you know that's in today's day and age you can't hide people on practice squad like you used to because somebody will poach him or somebody will stop you these days we saw that with alan lazard right what a mistake that was, but um, yep, yep, <laughs> so um, I guess it for the the, what the hell were they thinking? Right, right, like that was just gonna go under the radar At, after the college career he had, you know. But um, with Camp though, like I think like what fans should hope for that want to keep Camp around on practice squad, you probably want to hope that he doesn't look too good in the preseason and and raise anybody's antennas. And they snag him before the Jaguars could get him on practice squad. But like you said, yeah, we're talking about a special teams guy that they're going to they probably want to bring along gradually as a receiver. Uh, But, you know, they already have, you know, just based off of that selection and how late they took him. 
they view the guys that they have already on the roster more so as the guys that will be on the roster on the final 53. So uh, he'll, you know, of course, they, he'll get a chance to battle uh, Phillips, uh, Philip Dorsett, I'm sorry, Philip Dorsett and those back-end receivers for, you know, maybe a number six spot. But it's just hard to see him overtaking one of those guys who, you know, Urban Meyer has spoken highly of and, um, yeah, expect him to be more so of a practice squad guy for this year. Yeah, and um, as far as, you know, his measurables, Urban Meyer, of course, uh, talking about his uh, his frame, you know, big, fast guy. Um, we talked about that 40 time already. So yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see where he fits in in terms of the wide receiver rotation. Obviously, a very, very talented room that he's going to be able to come in and learn from. Not just, of course, from DJ Chark and, and LaVisca, but also Marvin Jones Jr., who I'm just so excited about uh, being here in Jacksonville. And he seems, again, another one of those new guys that appears to be really, really excited to be here in Jacksonville as well. But uh, those are all the draft picks from uh, from the 2021 draft here, you guys, and a lot of excitement. Um, again, we had really no idea how they were going to approach this thing. You can kind of take hints and clues from, you know, the process leading into the draft, but you really, you really never know how it's going to break down until you get to that weekend. So Jay, before we get out of here, you know, what would you give this draft class overall in terms of grades? You know, that's what everybody loves to do after, after the draft, where, where do you land as far as urban Meyer and Trent bulky, as far as a collaborative effort, where do you give, what, what grade are you giving them for the 2021 NFL draft? Yeah, I'll give them about a 80, you know, a B Um, because I mean, you can't like, it's just hard to give this class. I want, I want to give them a C to be honest with you, but with Trevor Lawrence on there, like it's just, uh, it's like, what what are you doing? If you give them a C like, you can't, you can't do it, man. Um, And I mean, like, Like, remember when the, remember when the teacher would spot you like five points for a Right. 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 Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Help you out a little bit. Um, So yeah, I'll give them about like an 80 on it. Um, Again, like you said, like it was, we've said this, it was a little different in the sense that, uh, you know, they, they kind of did a little luxury picking that some, some people put it or whatever the case may be, which is kind of different for a team that just came off a one in 15 record. But nonetheless, like this is, while I'm giving it a B in the end, it could very well be an A because like, this is again, the word we use often is upside, upside, upside. So this is a team that can, or a group that could have tremendous upside and turn out to be an A when we look back at it next year. Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. Um, B minus B, and then the the opportunity to possibly go up there to an A or even an A plus, especially when you look at those three picks in a row uh, from the second and third round. I mean, Tyson Campbell, Walker Little, Andre Cisco. You're talking about three guys, Jay, that have the possibility as long as they're built up right. Those are three possible Pro Bowl players that you're looking at right there that could be anchors of this uh, this team on both sides of the football. So again, uh, it is all about how they develop them. And that is the staff that is in place that has been put together by Urban Meyer and just really, really excited to see how it pans out. But what did you guys think of the draft and what grade would you give it? Hit us up. Uh, actually, I'll put out another poll over on our Twitter page and we'll see how you guys felt. I, I believe as far as the first round, uh, most people landed around an A or a B um, as far as how they felt about the first two picks there. 
between Lawrence and ETN. I'll have to go back and look at that, but we'll put out a poll over on our Twitter page and see how you guys are feeling after the weekend. But uh, that's it for this week's episode, guys. Jay, is there anything else you wanted to add about this draft class, but also let everybody know what they have to look forward to now that the draft is over and we'll be looking forward towards, uh, you know, rookie mini camps and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. Like we get a little break in here, you know, at the all of the draft coverage that we've, we've mustered together and put together, man. And I want to thank the team, by the way, and not only the team at Jazz Wire, but thank the the uh, the readers as well uh, for reading our content. But, I mean, like, I really want to shout out the team, you, uh, you know, everybody, Tyler, um, Robert, Daniel, um, Will. I hope I ain't forgetting nobody. Will, Coach Tris. Of course, even though like he he's been doing his thing, um, and Jacob, of course, because Jacob, you know, that's the homie, of course. But um, I please forgive me if I'm forget, uh, forgetting anybody, and all our core listeners as well. Um, again, appreciate all of y'all watching and, and paying attention to our content, and appreciate all the effort that everybody, uh, you too, Phil. I didn't even say you, but appreciate all the time and effort yeah, you rude. put in to get us <laughs> to this point as well with this draft which was a rigorous one like I, I really struggled like I limped into this one it was tiring but <laughs> we got to it and uh now we'll get a little break and then we'll start looking on to training camp and OTAs and all that good stuff yeah Jay and of course you know especially around this time of year you know we always just appreciate the hard work that you put in and of course I, I'm sure I can speak for the rest of the team that we're all happy to be here and and do whatever we can to uh, to assist you. I also want to thank anybody on social media that shared those graphics that were being posted to our Twitter page. Those were all done uh, by me. Uh, you know, I put put in some work, and I know there are definitely some some better ones out there. But just to kind of get my feet wet in terms of you know the graphic design kind of thing has been really really cool. So a uh, shout out to Jimmy Smith. He shared the one about Travis Etienne. So you know, hopefully we can get Jimmy on the show pretty soon. We've talked to him a couple of times, and you know, it's all about of course getting our schedules together as well go ahead jay yeah i think that's what the next poll should be actually is a, a good job on those graphics by the way but to all the listeners out there i want you all to tweet phil and tell him all that agree with me at least that he should go to college for graphic design and start getting this money <laughs> that's what i want everybody to do i want it to at least hit 20 tweets of telling phil to pursue graphic design <laughs> in college that's all I ask for. How about you tell me how to do it without going to college and <laughs> get the, the certifications so it can be a lot cheaper. How about y'all tell me that? It's called YouTube. <laughs> what is it? Uh, what's that? Oh, Squarespace. That's the one that everyone talks about on YouTube. Send me the Squarespace link and then maybe we'll go from there. Also, Squarespace. Hey, you should sponsor the show. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Th thanks for all that support. And again, shout out to Jimmy Smith for sharing one of those graphics. That was uh, that was pretty cool to see and uh, yeah guys we have man the draft is over but we have of course so much more to look forward to as we cover the era of trevor lawrence make sure you keep it locked in to believe in the jaguars again if you're enjoying the show head on over and you are listening on apple Podcasts, please go over and leave us a five-star review that is one of the best ways to support us you can also find us on spotify google play stitcher luminary and tune in of course you can find us at believe.com and at believe podcast tweet the show at believe in jack's pod or find us on instagram at the same handle 
You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is over at sportsgrind underscore Don. Once again, this has been Believe in the Jaguars, presented by Bet Online. Don't forget to believe in the Jaguars, but more importantly, believe in yourselves. We will see you next time, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.